Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. And we're going to look at the story of the rich young ruler. All right? And I'm going to try and just go very quickly. Um, Luke chapter 18 and verse 18. Luke 18 verse 18. Let's pick it up from there. Now a certain ruler asked him, that's Jesus. A certain ruler asked Jesus saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Let's pause first. Let's look at the man. All right? This man, first of all, we are told by Luke, he's a ruler. All right? Probably religious rulers because that was the most influential uh, leadership in Israel at that time. Right? But he obviously also had some form of leadership in, in government circles, even though he was a Jew and uh, most uh, leaders, well, all the leaders were in the secular world were, were Romans. Right? But obviously he, he had some influence as a leader and he was called a ruler. Right? We also told at the end of the story that he was ex- extremely rich. Now, the, the Greek text, all right, has this, uses the adverb extremely in front of the word abounding in wealth. So there's the word wealthy there, which in the Greek word, the Greek word for wealthy, uh, translated wealthy, is actually abounding in wealth, overflowing in wealth, right? But Luke puts, adds an adverb there saying extremely overflowing and abounding in wealth. So this gentleman wasn't just rich, all right? He wasn't just wealthy, he was a, today we'll say multi-billionaire. He was extremely, it's important for us to know that he was in a position where he had extreme overflowing, abounding wealth. All right? But we also told in Matthew's version that he was young. Matthew describes him with the Greek word neaniskos, which is a man under 40. All right? So here's this. This is the man we're talking about. Right? He's rich. He's got his youth, all right, and all the dreams that come with being young, all right, but he was also influential, all right? The three superpowers we all want, rich, young, and powerful, all right? Um, and so he goes to Jesus and take note of his question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Right? What shall I do? This is the human problem. Right? We really see each other as human doings rather than human beings. Right? We focus on doing. And whether you like it or not, when we come to church, we bring that mindset into our Christian faith as well. We focus on doing. What shall I do? This religious man was asking the same question from a young age, obviously. He was already pursuing God. And his pursuit had this one thing, what shall I do? What shall I do to inherit this life with God? What shall I do? What shall I do? And I I just want to encourage us. right? And at the end, I'm going to talk a little bit about this being rather than this doing, right? But I'm going to ask you this question, right? Do you focus a lot on doing? Then I would say you're going to hit the same ceiling in your intimacy with God if you focus your life on doing. What shall I do so that God will love me more? What shall I do so that I can get closer to God? What shall I do? I'm not knocking these um, the, the, the doings that we need to do, 
But that's not the focus of your intimacy with God. It's your being. It's who you are that really positions you with God, right? And so Jesus answers him. Because he asks him, what shall I do? Jesus gives him back his, the answer, right? Um, if doing is what you are focusing on, let me give you the answer. What shall you do? You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. The young man says, but I've done all these things. He said, all these things I've kept from my youth. Right? From the day I wanted to pursue God, I've been focusing on this doing. I've been doing and I've been doing and I've been doing. Right? So in other words, he's saying, look, I've been doing all this, but this doing is not helping me get there. In other words, he's saying, if doing was the answer, why am I still not experiencing this intimacy with God? Why am I not feeling this eternal life that the Bible seems to talk about? If doing is the answer, I've been doing And so Jesus says to him, verse 22, when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was extremely abounding in wealth. Now, if you take the, Jesus' answer, right, that giving up your wealth and living a life of poverty is going to get you to eternal life, you're missing the point. Because if you, if you think Jesus was giving him another thing to add to his doing, right, oh, you've tried all this, it doesn't work, try this, go do this. If that's what you're thinking Jesus is saying, you're missing the entire point of this story, all right? Jesus was not adding to his to-do list. What Jesus was saying is, the reason why you're not experiencing what you're longing to experience is that you're holding on to a superpower. Something is restricting you from getting to, to closer to God. And that something is your extreme wealth. For all your life as a young man, you've pursued extreme wealth. And extreme wealth has got you to where you are. And you're thinking extreme wealth will get you further with God. But extreme wealth is not going to do that. And so Jesus says to him, let that go. Let that go. Come follow me. Grab hold of what I have. Let that go. Follow me. Give up what's holding you back. Give up your superpower. His extreme wealth was his superpower. But if you look at your life and my life, we are also holding on to things that we think are our superpower. Right? It could be um, our jobs. It could be our family. It could be our church. It could be anything that you're holding on to thinking that this is what's going to get you happiness. This is what's going to get you to where you want to get to. You're holding on to that. Right? But the emphasis on that is always what to do, right? What we do at work, what we do with our family, what we do in church, what we do here, what we do there. We're always human doings. We're focusing on the doing, right? But have you asked yourself this question? What are we at work? 
What are we being at work? What are we being when we are with friends? What are we being when we are in, with family? What am I being as a father of adult children? What am I being when I'm being with my wife? Right? That's, the, that's the being, the human being, right? Being who we are and who God has made us to be, right? If you didn't have your superpower, if you didn't have those things that you were holding on to, what would you be? Who would you be? Uh, I like to use this illustration, the monkey jar trap. If you go into third world countries, they still use this in villages, right, to trap a monkey. They've got a jar, they put food in it, and then there's the, the hole in the jar. It's big enough for the monkey to put his hand in, but not big enough for the monkey to pull out his hand when, it's, when, it's, when the fist is clenched, right? And the monkey has just done that, holding on to the food, nuts or whatever it is, right? And he's trying to get his hand out. And then he sees this guy coming closer, right? And he's, he knows he's in danger. He knows that he's got to, got to get himself free, but he won't let this go. That's the only reason why he gets caught. So he knows, right? But he won't let it go. And you know what? Throughout my life, from the age of 18, I've been pursuing God. I just want an intimacy with God. I want more of God. <coughs> but as I keep on going in my life, I know what's hindering me is this clenched fist. I walk around with a monkey jar. And that monkey jar is making a monkey out of me. <laughs> you know? And so every time I reflect on my life, every time I get into scriptures, every time I come to time of worship, every time I hear the word of God, I, I, more and more I sense what's causing me to keep this clenched fist and I'm trying to let it go, let go, let go. Because there's so much more that God has for us. And as long as I keep holding on to my so-called superpowers, I'm not going to enjoy everything God has for me. Right? Because you listen to this, and I'll, I'll close soon. When Jesus saw that he became very, when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, "How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God." For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when those who heard it said, who then can be saved? Now, we can explain away what Jesus meant. But the listener heard this. It's impossible. Right? Because he says, they said, who then can be saved? If this man, all right, who is a godly man as far as they were concerned, who kept everything that the law, that, that the law taught him, right? And he's wealthy, he's influential, he's everything we would call being blessed, right? Looks like. And if he cannot be saved, who can be saved? Then Jesus says to them, and this is the first thing I want to grab hold of, all right? The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You know that this, Jesus will repeat this constantly, 
right? What's impossible with man is not impossible with God. That was his default setting. Every time he faced someone, every time he faced a situation, every time he faced things that were impossible, he had a default setting. Yep, this is impossible for me as a man, but it's not impossible for God, right? And that's the more I want to catch hold of too. As we get into this extreme challenges that are waiting for us as a people, as a nation, right? And and, and I'm saying we need to come to a place as a church that we might see the impossibilities and have a default setting that says, with God, it's possible. With God, it's possible, right? And then he says this. Peter says, see, we have left all and followed you. Jesus said to them, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and the age to come. Receive many times more, now and always. In other words, if you let go of what you're holding on to, pull your hand out of that monkey jar, and grab hold of what I have for you, you're going to experience many times more, much more than what you are desiring in your life. Much more than what's in the jar. And that's my message this morning, right? Stop holding on to your superpowers. Stop holding on to what's in that jar. Because I'm telling you, I confess I'm walking around with a monkey jar. And I'm telling you, if you're honest with yourself, you're walking around with a monkey jar too. Let it go. Grab hold of God. Grab hold of what he's saying to you. Right? So I want to give you, as I close, five statements of being so that you don't focus on your doing, but you focus on who you are. And I want to give you five statements of being that will help you give up your superpower. It comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. So when you go back home, you go, focus on Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 39, right? The first statement is in verse 31. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? This is my first statement of being for you. God is not against you. God is for you. Be that. Let that sink into the DNA of your life. That God is not against you. God is for you. My second statement is in verse 32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? This is my second statement for you. God will not withhold anything from you. God has given you everything. Imagine a prayer life when you actually believe that. That God won't hold anything from you. That God has given you everything. Suddenly then, there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. Just delayed prayer. Or better phrase, well-timed prayer. Right? Because it's His timing. His timing is perfect timing. And if I pray and I haven't seen that come to pass yet, I know his timing, in his time, he's going to make all things beautiful. 
The default setting, though, my friend, this is you who you are, that God will not withhold anything from you. God has given you everything. Number three, verse 33. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. My third statement for you. God is not accusing you. If you're feeling accused, it's not from God. God is not accusing you. God has given you. It's a gift. God has given you the right standing with him. My fourth statement for you is in Romans 8.34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. My fourth statement for you. God will not condemn you. Jesus Christ is defending you and defending your right standing with God. Final one. And this is a little bit longer, but I think it's worth reading. Romans 8, 35 to 38. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Then he says this, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. My final statement for you, nothing can ever separate you from God's love. So my friends, as I ask you to let go of your superpowers, I'm asking you to hold on to these five being statements that describe who you are. God is not against you. God is for you. God will not withhold anything from you. God has given you everything. God is not accusing you. God has given you right standing with him. God will not condemn you. Jesus Christ is defending your right standing with God. And then finally, nothing can ever separate you from God's love. Let's pray. This morning, Lord, we ask you to seal this five statements into our being, Lord that this will get right into the very DNA of us and we will reproduce like disciples who will hold on to these five beings statements Lord this is who we are this is being a child of God thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.